Welcome to our second episode of It Takes a Village, a Gaggle podcast. In this episode, you'll hear from a panel of education leaders on digital safety and its impact on student mental health. The discussion is moderated by Dr. Matthew Joseph, the Director of Curriculum, Instruction, and Assessment at Leicester Public Schools in Massachusetts. Dr. Joseph is joined by four panelists. The first panelist is Henry Turner, the principal of Newton North High School in Newton, Massachusetts. The second panelist is Dr. Adam File, the Director of Technology and Media Services at Newton County Schools in Georgia. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. The third panelist today is Christine Ravisi Weinstein, the Assistant Principal of Milford High School at Milford Public Schools in Massachusetts. And the fourth panelist today is Andrew Wallace, the Director of Technology at South Portland Schools in Maine. Thanks for having me, Matt and Gaggle. Listen in as the panelists dive into the impacts of cyberbullying and other online threats across various digital channels, including chat and social media. They discuss their experience in these areas and how districts can help ensure student safety in an era of increased distance learning. Additionally, the panelists explore the importance of supporting mental health needs to help today's students succeed. Now I'm going to hand it over to Dr. Joseph. All right, welcome in everybody. And Christine, I'm gonna start with you um, because I've had an opportunity to read your book, which is fabulous from a great publication, Times 10. Uh, you talk a lot about anxiety. Well, March 13th hits and boy, did the, the anxiety of education, schools, students, teachers, principals go from, I'm kind of anxious to emergency learning. What did you see uh, early? I want to start in, in the March and then I'm going to transition into coming back to school. What did you see as some of the stressors for our students and teachers as we entered into this pandemic? Um, well, I think that initially um, we were really concerned about sort of teacher and staff anxiety about, you know, what's this going to look like? Um, and I think that, you know, once we got uh, the official word that schools were going to be closed for the remainder of the year, um, we were able to start uh, pivoting from worrying about what staff were feeling and getting used to being online and teaching in that manner to now starting to kind of focus on kids and what they might be going through. Um, you know, once the, the fallout from the pandemic kind of reached us, um, you know, the degree of food insecurity that um, families were experiencing, the connectivity issues that families were experiencing. Once these were able to be brought to light, we kind of were able to think, wow, this, this is having a really, really huge impact on kids. Um, it's not just about how do we teach, it's about how do we make sure that these kids are well. Um, and so I was part of a webinar in the spring where a good friend of mine, Basil Marin, talked about how we had to transition from um, having you know, compliance of students to having compassion for students. Um, and so a lot of students were struggling with wanting to be able to do work, but not having the means in which to do it and not being able to connect with people to let them know that they were struggling. Um, seeing a lot more obviously reliance on social media 
Um, and the great thing about social media is that we can receive information so, so quickly. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm one that really does just sort of rely on social media for my news. Um, but as we all know, that comes with a really uh, tough uh, cost to pay um, emotionally because of all of the misinformation that's out there as well. Um, so students start really relying on that technology and then there's a ton of fallout um, in terms of them being kind of over getting getting too much information right about what's what's going on um, and you know I have little ones at home six and three and I realized I had the news on all the time that the kids were asking me questions and as much as I want a six and a three-year-old to kind of be aware of what is going on I was realizing that it was starting to cause a lot of anxiety in them. They're asking tons of questions about the virus. Um, and so I had to pull back on that a little bit to make sure they were getting only what they needed. No, and I think that's great. And you said two things in there that Henry, I'd love for you to, to, to jump on. I know you're a high school principal from a very large, a large school. And Christine said pivot and compassion. And, and that's something that you're gonna have to do as students come back into school what are some things you're looking at in the social and, and mental wellness of the students coming back into school after being out for essentially almost five months now? Yeah, and I'll, I'll piggyback on what Christine was just sharing is that um, we um, we really took approach um, early on on trauma-informed practices um, and some of the research around that of how to support students knowing that 100% of our students are um, going through a level of a level of trauma as well as our our families, and thinking about um, really prioritizing our social emotional uh, learning practices, um, checking in with students, um, allowing students to go at their at their own pace, um, which I think was a lot of the response that we that we took in the spring, and we started referring to um, instead of uh, remote learning, but calling it crisis remote learning, because um, that's truly what we were we were in last spring, um, and. You know, I'd say probably about a month in was the first time that we had a, a Zoom bombing and it was, um, you know, a sexist attack. And the second one that happened in um, our sister school across the, across the city was a racist attack. It brought up all of the issues that we were talking about in our school when we were in a normal situation, which was um, addressing racism, um, other forms of hate, uh, particularly online. And it magnified with the killing of um, of George Floyd, uh, Breonna Taylor, and um, the protests that ensued. And so we were not only just talking about sort of the trauma-informed practices in response to uh, quarantine, but also in terms of racism and other forms of hate that we were dealing with um, uh, prior prior to this and how to do it when we're all at a, at a distance. And so as we're um, thinking about this year, um, we've been um, spending our summer um, one is um, working with our staff on professional development on how to support students utilizing those practices, um, how to make sure that we um, are using the, you know, the um, security measures on um, the programs that we're using when students are connecting so that we can um, reduce those types of hate incidents. Um, and that was something that took a long time for you know, when we have a, a staff, I have an uh, instructional staff of over 300, getting them all to do the same thing takes a long time. Um, but when, you know, we've had, uh, for example, with the Zoom bombings, um, knowing that sometimes it was because we were not utilizing the proper security measures 
um, or not paying attention when we're inviting students in, um, and then you know an incident occurs, um, it really falls on us that you know we we need to take this more seriously. So uh, I am looking forward to us, um, you know, that we're more bought that we're more bought in to those security measures, and I think they're important. Um, and at the same time, making sure that we're taking an approach where um, which we're getting to know students a little bit better, getting to understand what their needs are, um, utilizing cultural responsive instruction so they really um, get to know who students are. And um, you know, we've been using this mantra for the last two years, which is the platinum rule, whereas the golden rule is treat others like you'd, um, you'd like to be treated. The platinum rule is uh, learn about what, how others want to be treated and treat, treat them that way. And so really trying to foster a culture where it's about learning about who each other is and supporting each other are and that we're that we're a community. And I'd say like lastly that our our goal and our large our large school is to be more united as a community as we get through this crisis than when we started. No, and I think I think that's awesome. And what I find and was really excited about today, because besides that, I'm friendly with all of you and it's great to, to connect and say what's up. Um, to bring together both sides of the house here where we have the school leadership and the district leadership. And I've seen and had the pleasure of actually visiting, you know, up in Maine where, where Andy works and being in an event down in Georgia with Adam works is bringing the technology side of this into this social emotional wellness, into the student safety. Andy, you know, how does the tech side help in this? You know, Christine brought up some incredibly important issues in the fall. Henry started to talk about some of the, the racism and issues, and we're going to come back to that too as we talk about safety. You know, I'd love for you and Adam to jump in to talk about how the tech side has that collaboration and partnership in this. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that, you know, I heard Henry talking about is students are going to stay connected, and, you know, when awful things happen that shake our beliefs or make us question how we're um, living. You know, students traditionally could get together at school and talk about these things or, or have, have clubs or other social ways to connect, but uh, we're just seeing an increased amount of connecting through the tools that we provide students. I know they're on Facebook, but, you know, they're using our tools like G Suite, some of the kids who don't yet have social media, and they're forming their own sort of groups there, and they're talking about these issues. And it's really been interesting um, to get, I wouldn't say an insight because we're not looking necessarily at what kids are doing, but knowing that they are having these conversations, they're organizing uh, and, you know, and sometimes they're, you know, inappropriately using our resources. But um, it's been really nice to see students proactively use tools like G Suite to congregate and share information. And, you know, when we put in G Suite, kids quickly made that into a social media platform. You know, I was surprised they had little groups and, you know, group activities and uh, almost like clubs, but sometimes things got out of line too. So, um, you know, that's where we were looking for technology solutions like Gaggle or other tools that could help see what's happening there. But I'm pleased to see just the way the kids are connecting regardless of their lack of proximity to one another. It really hasn't slowed them down much at all. And, and, and Adam, I know you in a very large district as well. How is how is that process of seeing the amount of students and the technology and the equity gap increase possible concern for, for student well-being and health? Uh, you would ask that question. Uh, we had a pretty fun board meeting last Friday dealing with uh, <laughs> some equity uh, of, of access. But uh, you know, it's a couple of things I, I wanted to touch on. I think Henry brought up some really great points. Um, and Andrew kind of uh, hit those. 
when we look at all these things that are, have, have transpired since March 13th, um, it's been the upside down for a lot of folks. Uh, I know here in my district in Georgia, we're having a huge adult uh, back and forth on whether or not to move a Confederate monument off our town square. Um, as I mentioned, we have a lot of different films and TV shows are filmed, you know, when you want that old Southern town, uh, this is the place that they go to uh, because this is, it fits a, a lot of the uh, narrative for what they want. But you have a lot of adults that are utilizing the social media tools and getting on there. So we are having conversations in our district, though, how can we equip our students with the skills that are necessary to survive in this digital world where they don't necessarily bring some of the same venom that their parents or guardians have and spew that on our platform. So we're having conversations about how can we have that because right now we made a decision to go to start our school year virtual so we won't have students um, in our buildings starting off our school year. So how can we utilize existing staff such as our library media specialists, such as uh, just our regular classroom teachers, our counselors, to cycle into our virtual day to kind of give students the skills necessary to navigate from what mom or dad may be saying and from various news outlets that are out there and then turn around and understand, uh, as you were saying earlier, Henry, you know, th those power in your words and about treating people. I, I, I don't want to, can you say it one more time? What was the quote that you said instead of, treating people how they want to be treated, what was? Yeah, so it's called the platinum rule. I love it. It's the, so golden rule is treat others the way that you want to be treated. The platinum rule is learn how others want to be treated treated, and treat yeah. them that way. Yeah. And so that's, and that's one of the things that we're really focusing in on is having that, having the dialogue and conversations because it's, I can disagree with Henry on something, but if I can understand his viewpoint, where he's coming from, his background, that'd give me a greater insight. Now, we may not be walk away as friends, but I will respect his thoughts and his opinions. So trying to have that conversation with our kids to kind of curb some of the things that could be posted on some of our platforms that we're utilizing, that's where we're trying to kind of get ahead of the conversation. Because as Andrew mentioned, whether it's on our platforms or something, they're going to talk. We've had multiple districts in Georgia where students have I've gotten hammered for posting something racist on TikTok or something inappropriate. So those are those things that we want to make sure, hey, you're not always going to be under our umbrella, but we want to keep you safe. No, I think that, that that's important. And to kind of jump off of what, what all of you, you talked about is, you know, Adam just said he was going to go virtual. And, and a couple of us talked about we may be hybrid now, but we'll be virtual. With the increase in students digitally working, digitally connecting, digitally, you know, you know, Andy and, and, and Adam, I've had been to conferences together and really enjoy spending time together. We haven't seen each other in a long time. And that's how students are going to be. They might not have seen their colleagues or their, their peers in months. How will that increase in digital use stress them out as school starts? We are, and Christine, I'll start with you. We're entering a year never meeting our students in person. Or how do students feel about that? Um, I think that there's there's a lot of anxiety for students around that. Um, you know, here where I work, we've made the decision to go to or start in a hybrid model. Um, so if that continues to to be the case, then students will have an opportunity to meet their teachers in person. But there's a couple of things that are going to be um, huge factors we have to consider. Um, our freshmen have never 
well, been in the building before. I mean, maybe they have because they've had siblings, but they're not gonna really know where they're going. We're gonna be having one-way traffic. So that's going to really complicate the situation for them. The other thing is that for students, um, they're going to be meeting their teachers, but the teachers are gonna have masks on. Um, so I've heard in some districts, they're creating pins for teachers um, that show what they look like, their actual face, where the teacher will wear that pin on their shirt every day, especially for younger students. Um, so they can actually feel comfortable with what their teacher actually looks like. Um, so that can be an, a, a point of anxiety for them. Um, another issue too, is that I've spoken to a lot of teachers who say, you know, look, we've got to create a curriculum that's flexible, um, meaning that at any moment we could go from hybrid to fully remote. And our curriculum has to be able to handle that, that immediate change, unlike last year when you know, as Henry said, it was crisis remote learning, right? No one was really ready for that. So they had to take an already existing curriculum and try to make it remote. Teachers are being told to try to do everything as if it's going to be remote. So I've spoken to teachers who aren't comfortable filtering through classrooms in a hybrid setting. So these students are gonna be sitting in classrooms, but still on their devices, right? So mm -hmm. the, whether they're sitting in the classroom working on it or they're at home working, it's not gonna be any different. So the classroom i think a lot of kids are going to be returning thinking like well yeah i know what school's like sure it'll be a little bit different but i don't think they really understand how different it's going to be um and kids like they don't just sit in it right like they try to find ways to kind of push back a little so just real quick i wanted to share and this was even before we, we were in pandemic mode um we instituted a cell phone policy at our school mid-year two years ago and so we were like, this is really going to cut down on, you know, kids being off task during class time. Well, what they ended up doing was they would start creating Google Docs and essentially texting each other on that shared document. Um, and then once we get into the gaggle aspect of this, of course, gaggle was picking these things up. And these kids had no idea that their administrators were kind of reading their text messages basically back and forth. So kids find a way to get around whatever we put in place. Um, and so for, for a huge population of our students, um, that can be anxiety inducing knowing that their peers are gonna try to cut corners. It's one thing when it's about a phone and a text message. It's another thing when it's about health and safety. Um, and if kids are trying to cut corners when it comes to you know mask wearing or whatever the case may be, that's gonna increase the anxiety in the students who are you know, already anxious, they wanna do what they're supposed to do. You give them something to do, they're compliant. Okay, yes, I'm gonna do that. They see another kid not doing it, their anxiety goes straight through the roof. So we need to prepare, be prepared for that as well. Nice, and, and Henry, you had brought up some of the, the social issues as well. And, and, and we knew kids chatted, like Christine said, and I'm gonna to jump to, to Andrew after you. But so besides the typical things that kids chat about, and now they're going to be online more often, what are the things you're worried about as a principal that kids, students are going to be chatting about online that are going to be writing in their Google Drive or Microsoft 360? What are some of the concerns the administration is really starting to forecast of like, we have to look out for, for these issues because the kids may not be in front of you. Some of, half of them, some of the time, some, maybe not at all. What are some of those issues you're thinking about kids coming back and writing about journaling about adding pictures to their you know, cloud-based tool what are some of those issues I, are you asking did you say me i didn't hear yes that. Uh, so as a principal yeah, yeah. 
So as, as your administrative team, like what are some of the things that you're forecasting that your yeah. kids start to write about with all the social things that are happening with the current just being a teenager? So what I'd say is, um, you know, think, I, I, I think that what I'm learning this summer is that our, our students want to talk about this topic around race. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, what I'm you know, nervous about, particularly when, as was dis discussed earlier, that our students don't have the relationship with their teachers, that if we quickly move them into um, you know, groups to discuss on Google, Google Docs uh, or, or, or whatnot, that um, allowing for these conversations to happen without teacher facilitation, um, mm -hmm. it, it could create some unsafe situations. And so I think that, um, you know, I think that the, the management yeah. is important, but I also think that like the teacher facilitation can be really important in these, in these situations. But how do we create safer environments so that students can, can have these conversations? Because I think, you know, what I'm seeing from our students who want to talk about, you know, anti-racism or, um, you know, who are out protesting right now is that their expectation is that all of their students and all of their classmates and all of their teachers are um, going to be on, uh, you know, at the same place of wanting to talk about these issues as, as they do, because they want to talk about it. So my, my worry is that um, the possibility or, or likelihood of these conversations going um, without any adult facilitation um, could get out of hand and could create some unsafe spaces for students of color or for other, other groups as those, those topics are, are brought up. So I, I think, um, you know, the thing that we've said with our, we said with our staff, and we're going to keep reiterating is that the first month is about relationship building. It's not about content. Mm -hmm. um, and so, um, and whether we are in hybrid or, or remote, you know, we need to focus on that. And what are the strategies that we can use um, uh, to do that? You know, I think my message, my opening day message for staff is going to be um, how to overlap, to, to create an anti-racist UDL weekly plan that is focused on relationship building. Um, it's not about content, but it's about you know, trying the strategies we want to try, but it's about how do we for foster relationships with students? Because I think that's the only way that um, we're going to be able to create the norms for what safe conversations look like on these topics. And teachers can make sure that they're the ones who are driving the conversations and facilitating the conversations. But I would say that's you know, what I'm probably most nervous about right now. No, and, and I think you said something in there that I want to throw it to, to Andy and, and then and Adam, of course. You talked about management. That sounds like a great way to like get back into school, right? I mean, we've got a bunch yeah. of teachers that are going to be nervous about restarting school. They're not going to want to jump into content. It's actually beyond being the right thing to do. It's a very practical thing to do to get, you know, kids having a common experience, which I do believe once things break apart a little bit and kids go off to their classes and smaller groups form, they're not gonna have those common experiences. And so what better topic, important topic when they're supported? And that's always for me, it's like, we want them to make their mistakes when we're there to support them. And, um, you know, from a purely practical standpoint, you know, people aren't necessarily ready to go full board delivering content in a meaningful way. Uh, and so anything that could be, you know, a nice, like you said, a nicely designed um, series of units for a couple of weeks to get us all started nice and slow, mm -hmm. but on things that are really critical is a great approach. And, 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 Andy, and Andy, I had a question for you and, and Adam, because Henry talked about managing. We're not gonna be there to manage all the time. And I know um, as a 
a user of Gaggle, and I know some of your districts, what are some ways that we can help in this management or you have seen either as a user of this product or just something you're doing in your districts that help with the, the management and safeguarding and being proactive in the support versus reactive after the fact? I'd say, you know, as a user of any tool, um, I tend to not meddle much in kids' business unless it raises to a higher level. I want kids to feel safe to communicate and talk about things that are important to them without feeling like the administration's watching what they're doing. Because if they feel like we're staring down at all their interactions, they're just going to migrate off to places where we can't help them. So we have this monster when a kid does something ridiculously stupid or silly on a computer. We're like, well, we're just glad they did it when we were here to work with yeah. them on it. And yeah. so I would just caution people to not think that our role is to micromanage every uh, interaction kids have or even to acknowledge when they're slightly out of line, right? We don't all have to like each other, but we all have to, you know, be respectful of one another and, you know, avoid obvious inappropriate behaviors. And that's I agree with you on that, Andy. About that, how to find a way, you know? Yeah, I agree with you on that, Andy. It's, it's you know, I, I definitely look at it as one of those things where I'd rather my child learn to drive with me in the car than by herself. You know, so if, you know, she's doing something wrong, I can correct that in the car versus me saying, hey, just hop in the car and, you know, good luck. Um, and, and so definitely having them make those mistakes in our environment gives us a chance to correct course um, and, and give them, the, like I mentioned earlier, the skills necessary to navigate through all of that. Because when you look at where we are today, we have to also let people know that it's okay that it's not okay. Um, because I think as, as educators, as, as, as leaders, we always wanna fix everything. And the problems we're dealing with right now, we can't fix. Um, I know for my district right now, we have kids who have lost family members due to COVID. I, we had, we've had staff members who've had their kids be put on ventilators. Uh, we have several principals who have contracted um, COVID-19 since we have uh, returned to, from school. I mean, the, return, uh, the staff has come back into buildings. So that's real. And not to also mention, you know, all the regular stuff that happens in people's lives that we're dealing with. So I know right now, SEL is something, a term that hopefully doesn't become similar to like differentiation and all this stuff where we can right. just throw it out there and say, oh, we need more money for SEL. Okay, great. Yeah, great. But are you just saying that because everybody's saying it or are you really committed around it? Because it's bigger than just these two main things, you know, the racial conversations that we're having, the uh, COVID-19, it's bigger than that because you have kids that are living in poverty who are being abused, who just have a lot of things in their life. And so that social emotional thing goes way beyond that. And you have to have tools to find that information when those kids are asking for help because kids have been going through these things forever. It just didn't start in March when COVID-19 rolled around. So we have to also keep that in mind that it's larger than just the hot topics currently, because I guarantee it's gonna get a whole lot hotter in November, uh, no matter which way things go, uh, with a lot of our families and students. And so we're gonna have to be able to handle that as well. No, I think- Can I add to that? Yeah, go ahead, Henry. Yeah, I, I just think an important point that was, that was shared was that um, we also want, we want to create the environment so that students feel comfortable coming to us when these things happen as well. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think that, um, as Adam was saying, that, you know, it's great to have structures and um, pro programs that can help um, limit 
these kind of incidents happening, but we want kids to know that when they do, that they come to reach out to us to say, hey, this happened so that we can help it, we can help address it. And I think that, you know, you can only do that, um, you know, I, in, in a remote environment, you can only do that if you've spent a significant amount of time building relationships with kids, um, knowing that you're, you're committed to it. And, you know, something we learned this year was that when we don't talk about, you know, racist incidents happening, our students think that that means that we're sort of, we're just being silent, we agree with them. They need to know that we're angry about it and we're upset. And so I think that- Silence is compliance. Yeah, I just think Adam's point is really important that we want students to know that we're there for them so that we, and that we will respond to it when they, when they come up. Yeah, no, I think um, to, to try to sum up this kind of thought thread, the things that you said, I took down environment, tools to help, let kids know we're there. And I know when I was uh, the director of digital learning, having a tool like Gaggle in place allowed me to say the same phrasing I could say as a school principal. When I would stand in front of parents, I would say my only two jobs as a principal to make sure your kids are safe and make sure they had the best learning environment possible. And now that we're going so heavy into our digital learning, I wanna still say that, that your kids are both physically and emotionally safe and creating the best learning opportunities for them. And to have tools like, like Gaggle with the speak up tool that is talking about how kids can report if they feel unsafe or other management aspects that a tool like Gaggle offers allowed me to be the leader I needed to be. And, and, and to do that, and I'm gonna throw that, talking about leadership in this digital realm moving forward. Um, Christine, what are some of the things that leaders can do either digitally or in other methods to help students reduce some of their anxiety, some of their concern, because they are entering, you know, last year we went to school till about March, depending where you are. So teachers got a chance to meet kids, kids knew other students. Now, what would be something you could share to reduce that anxiety as we start the year digitally? So I think if we go back to what Henry was saying about the platinum rule and how our job is to learn how others wanna be treated, um, that can't happen if we don't ask questions. You can't learn about somebody else if you don't care to learn about them and ask questions to discover who they are. So I think that it's absolutely paramount for staff this year to reach out to students and ask them questions about you know, who they are, what they enjoy in their free time, even about what some of their anxieties going into this year might be. Um, because we can't, you know, you can't assume how someone wants to be treated. Um, sometimes we have so much on our plate and we're afraid to ask questions. So we just make these assumptions. Well, you know, oh, this kid must need this or that. That actually can be more harm than, than good for students. Um, it can be really difficult for anxious kids to advocate for themselves, but the more that we ask questions of them, even if they don't open up too much at the onset, it does create an environment for them or it communicates in an environment to them where it, you do care and it is gonna be eventually safe enough for them to start opening up. Another thing that I would suggest teachers do, regardless of whether you're starting hybrid or remote, would be to make an intro video um, for your students. So, um, you know, if you get your class roster, look up what people's email addresses are, set up your Google Classroom early, whatever it might be. And instead of just sending, you know, some generic sort of introductory email to students, um, send, an, send, send an intro video. Um, we gotta kind of stop being afraid to put ourselves out there in, in front of a camera. I, I've just recently started blogging and, you know, it can be an anxiety inducing, but 
once you get comfortable doing it, um, it can really make a huge difference for students. Um, I think video should be used more in curriculum as we enter this, this virtual year or however it's going to look. Um, and you can't ask kids to do stuff that you're not willing to do. Um, and so I think you make a better connection with people when you make a video. They can read tone, they can get facial expressions. Um, we rely way too much on texting and email in which you get none of that. And that is going to drastically increase student anxiety. Um, it's one of my uh, downfalls is I read way too much into tone, no matter how much I try not to. Um, you know, I'll get a text or an email and then I'll perseverate over it for days sometimes and create problems where problems don't exist. Um, if I had a video of what that same message, I guarantee you that um, I would have saved a lot of mental energy. So I think that's something else that teachers really need to be willing to do. This is unprecedented for everybody and we're not going to get through it if we don't take risks and it's a really simple risk that a teacher can take. All, no, all the most of it, they're not going to see your face, right? They won't see your expressions. I like your little pins. I'm going to yep. make pins that show me when I'm mildly irritated, when I'm overjoyed. <laughs> you can, you you know, can kind of click questioning it. Like, you, you spin it. Yeah. But like, yeah, people are going to look into tools like Loom, you know, free. I mean, there's, there's research that shows that you impart more information if you assign your face to what you're trying to communicate. So yep. we, this is not Khan Academy. This is us doing really good work we're doing the work the teachers are doing the work we're not just borrowing this from some platform online so really you know put your face on it because it's your stuff yeah and yeah. i mean what do they i don't know exactly what the percentage is i'm not a percentage person but i believe it's at least 80 percent of communication is nonverbal, um and we are basically eliminating all of that right when you're in a virtual world you all you're relying on is what you actually are reading unless someone creates a video the other great thing about video is you don't have to have a mask on. So ask your students <laughs> to video back so you can see what your students' faces look like. Um, you know, I, I like to joke that um, the other day I took my son to hockey and I had a hoodie on because I'm going to be sitting in the rink with my sunglasses and a mask on. I'm like, in what universe would I ever be able to walk into an establishment looking like this like you can't no one could identify me whatsoever right. um and you know we don't have a hat policy here so kids that come strolling in with hats and masks on like we don't know who these people are you know you could you could have a kid sitting in front of you in a hybrid model for the entire year they had a mask on all year you see that kid in the hall next year after there's a vaccine and you don't even know that that's that kid that was in your classroom because you finally right. out a mask like we can't we can't have that so we have to make we've got the tools we have to be willing to make use of them because it's really going to make kids feel safer, right? SEL is about safety. It's emotional safety. Um, and we got to stop thinking of safety as just physical space, right? And one thing, if I, can, if I can hop in there real quick on this. Yeah, go ahead of it, Evan. You guys have some. Yeah, I know this isn't the, the purpose of this, uh, this panel, but with the video, I cannot uh, agree with you enough on that. But we have to make sure, and this is one of those things, I mentioned November, we have to make our voices heard on this with our candidates. Access to high-speed internet makes all the difference because we can do all the video we want to, but if we have students and stakeholders that are environments where they don't have access, that also builds to that isolation that they feel. Um, mm -hmm. Because we did have parents, I mean, teachers who called houses and talked to kids, but once again, it's a difference between that FaceTime, that 
Marco Polo, whatever it is that they're doing where they can actually see somebody on the other end, it makes all the difference. So we have to also be, and, and, and our voices, we have to make sure the people who we go to the ballot box and vote for understand infrastructure is number one thing we got to make sure because now you're talking about life and death of people when you talk about connectivity. I mean, I've had several doctor's appointments on my phone doing some kind of tele uh, therapy, whatever you want to call it, where my doctor's like, let me look at your eye. Okay, yeah, um, you know, get this eye drop. All those things matter right now with our with our kids. So if you have somebody who don't doesn't have that connectivity, they feel left out, they feel stranded, they got to have a way to connect with somebody and let them know those things. So that's my little rant about, you know, digital equity. I know it's yeah. not a part of this conversation, but I wanted to make sure I, I dropped No, it. and I think all of it is as we talk about student safety, as we talk about being there, and, and, and Henry, I want to ask you a direct question because I've seen some of the work you've done. It's been really, really powerful and, and your voice being out there. I've had a chance to, to sit, on, sit on a panel and we talk about being real. What are some of the real issues you think are happening behind the scenes, racial, you know, teenagers, whatever that students are facing right now that we're not talking about. And as a high school principal, you have a pulse on, you know, teenagers, you have a pulse on what kids are talking about in a sense that some of the administrators and leaders aren't out there. And just to give him a, a heads up, Andy, I'm going to come to you next to talk about safeguards and how to, to help in that as school leaders. So, you know, Henry, what, what's out there right now that you are really thinking that we're not talking enough about? Absolutely. I, I want to just piggyback on, uh, highlight what one thing that Adam said and Christine said too. Um, to Adam's point, I, th I think we need to hear who are the families who are telling us that they don't feel safe coming back to school right now. Because mm -hmm. um, I think we're hearing from a, um, a lot of um, uh, very wealthy families um, who are who are saying that they want to come back, but it's just nationally that um, black and brown families are the ones who are um, feeling most vulnerable coming back because of this disproportionality. But I'd also say, to Christine's point, the, we were thinking about the video piece too, and I, I think a great strategy behind it is that it's an opportunity for students, where instead of the teacher mispronouncing the student's name for the first, you know, in the first month of school, that here's a way for the student to pronounce their name properly. And I just think, like from like an anti-racist lens, like what a great way to 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 make the student feel welcomed on the first day of school to allow them to introduce themselves through a video. So I just want to honor you and just say something we were thinking about it too. So thanks for sharing that idea. Um, I you know I think just on on that topic, I think what we're hearing we you know we're, we've been meeting a lot with our students this summer and, and in fact we're seeing such energy that um, our our recent alumni are still in communication with us telling us like the things they want changed in their now former high school. So that's that's pretty exciting. Um, but what we're we're seeing is that they want us to address you know, the incidents, microaggressions that they're seeing in their school, and most of it's happening digitally um, through social media. Um, they're seeing us, um, they're seeing, you know, they're seeing students posting uh, Snapchats uh, where they're, you know, singing songs using the N-word. They're seeing, um, uh, they're seeing students um, making, you know, racist or sexist uh, or homophobic comments, and they want us to get involved. Now, we've been, you know, I think that like where we were a few years ago is that prior to the bullying law in Massachusetts, schools were not getting involved in digital in that digital space. And the bullying law sort of forced us to get to get more involved and still a little tricky, but I think our students are saying, hey, we need someone to address this. And it may not necessarily be like 
just suspend the kid. I think that's what you know a lot of our students of color said to us when there was um, some incidents, some racist incidents that happened on social media. Um, they, they said, you know, just suspending a student is not enough. We need, want we need the students to learn why it's wrong and to make sure that they're not doing it again. And so I think that expectation for schools is definitely um, important. But I would say that most, of, you know, there's a lot of sort of the interpersonal um, incidents that are happening, but I think sort of the newer spaces, uh, their communication digitally. And I think that this, you know, this pandemic just sort of highlighted um, more so how much how much of their life is uh, digital communication more than it is face-to-face uh, -face communication. I mean, I think the, you know, I see my daughter on TikTok and that's her way of communicating. And she's also doing um, Minecraft while she has, you know, her friends, you know, FaceTiming with one of her friends and they're chit-chatting just like, you know, kids are doing, for, you know, Fortnite. So I think like we just need to accept that a lot of their their communication spaces digitally and, and at the same time um, you know these incidents are happening in, in this space even though they're not happening in school and so we need to think about how to proactively address it but also um, how to reactively address it where it's not just about punishment but about um, restoration. One of the things that you stand for and I've talked with Adam a lot and had an opportunity to be on a couple of panels, you talk about voice, student voice a lot. And, and Andy, I know you use the gaggle tool, Speak Up. It gives students a voice when sometimes they don't know who to come to or don't know who to turn to. And, and when you don't have a teacher to, to go see physically, maybe students don't know who to, to turn to. If you could maybe take one minute to talk a little about Speak Up. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I think it's, it's interesting, like, as everybody said, it's a multifaceted approach, right? You've got to you've got to work with the community, work with the families. You've got to educate. But you know, we've been a common sense distinguished school here for four years, so you need the education piece. But you know, it's that it's that um, lip service. We say like, well, if you see something, say something. But then we actually never really give them a method by which to do that. And so uh, we we picked up an anonymous tip tool um, where kids could talk about you know they concerned perhaps a friend was self-harming or uh, that there might have been there might be a, a fight coming up or things like that so just another way to you know I'm always thinking like how can technology help not take over not solve the problems but just help people um, make those connections when we're not seeing as much of each other as we would like through this through this pandemic one of the things I've seen a lot on Twitter and that's you know sometimes it's hashtag blues and it's crazy things like who knows Flex Friday or whatever some crazy things that one that does stick with me is like better together. And I think for you know all of us here, Andy, Christine, Henry, Adam, we don't work for Gaggle. We work in a school district. We're educational leaders and we're here because we believe in this and building that partnership. And I think that is that is the basis of all of us. Henry said it multiple times today, it starts with the foundation and building relationships and having that relationship you know, I get about 60 emails a day from vendors and like buy this and try this. And I just wanted to bring some of our district leaders together because this is important because our job when we enter school or we log on to school is to be there for the best interests of our students. And that's why, that's why we're doing it. So as we wrap up the panel, we were on digital safety and the impact of student mental health for our four experts on this. I'd love for you, I'll start with just on my screen, I'll go around. Adam, Henry, Christine, and, and Andy, 
leave our viewers with something that they can feel empowered as they start the school year to support their students on this topic. Dr. File. You would start with me this time around. <laughs> um, you know what, I'm just gonna leave everybody with the thing that is stuck in my head and I thought you were gonna say it, but you said it in a different way. It goes <laughs> back to the high school musical song. We're all in this together. Uh, and I think someone mentioned that earlier. This is probably one of the few times, I know this is the only time probably in my lifetime, I know it's happened before, where we all are dealing with the same issue. Uh, we all are dealing with the same problems. And so just keep in mind that we are all in this together. We're all are sharing our stories. We all have resources. We're all in this together. So make sure you're able to uh, develop your PLN, get some information, gain some resources, and go ahead and get that requisition started and get Gaggle in your district or whatever product you need. Uh, we want to make sure that we're doing what's best for our stakeholders, our students, because one kid that goes down the wrong path and does something they shouldn't do is one too many. And if we have the, the tools in place to help not solve the problem with the help, um, definitely go up, go forward and get it. But remember, we're all in this together. Awesome, thank you. Your turn. I'd say um, the purpose of being a high school student is to um, find where the line is. And that for a, uh, a lot of our teenagers, they, you know, run, they, they, you know, step over the line, some tiptoe over the line, some run right past the line and some sort of just you know, look at the line and make sure that they stay on the right side of the line. But they need to know that, a, that, a, that the line exists. And that's our role as adults. I think sometimes when we talk about giving kids freedom and options, we don't we forget that that also means that the adult needs to be there. And that line is something that goes beyond what a human being can do when you need support, you need structures so that we can make sure that students um, see where the boundaries, boundaries are. So, um, you know, we need to, whatever it, it takes, we need to make sure that students know where that line is so that they feel safe in our schools. Awesome. Um, okay, so, you know, I think what I wanna kind of leave people with is really sort of already what I just said about, you know, it's really important for us as adults to not believe that just because we don't see it, it isn't happening. Um, you know, kids are out there and they're struggling and they wanna talk about it. And if they're not gonna talk about it to you, they're gonna talk about it with somebody. Um, and it's why I am such a huge fan of Gaggle and it really helps with the work that I do because, um, you know, just cause the student isn't saying it to me or to a teacher doesn't mean that they're not out there saying it to a peer and Gaggle can alert us to that. And, you know, whenever I do get an alert that I have to intervene on, I never, um, you know, bring the student in and, and start accusing them of anything. We have a conversation. It's a conversation starter. Um, I, I can't remember a time where um, I've gotten a gaggle on a student and it's resulted in any form of discipline per se. Um, it's really just an, another way to start an intervention. Um, and it's an intervention that I can begin when it was something I wouldn't have seen otherwise. And a lot of times you call a kid in once when you get a gaggle on them and you never end up getting a gaggle on them again because they realize now like, okay, yeah, that was irresponsible. Um, and I think that's partly why it's such a great tool. In terms of staff with their students with anxiety, they have to ask questions. A lot of intervention begins um, when you kind of, 
ask questions about what could be going on or how a student is feeling. And we've got to remember that that ultimately is way more important than any curriculum we are ever going to provide them with. Um, you know, they are going to be going off into a world where they've got to really be careful of their digital footprint. Um, and that's not something that we really talk about too often. Um, and, you know, we also got to be able to teach our students that anything that they put um, online or in a text can easily be screenshotted and sent elsewhere and it can follow them for a long time. So that's another reason that it's, it's a good thing to ask students questions and try to intervene as early as possible so that it doesn't create more anxiety for them down the road. Awesome. Andy, some of the anxiety, some of the anxiety I've been steeped in recently, and of course you can't help but see it in the media or on, on social media, is anxiety or really real rational apprehension about going back to work for some of our teachers. And it's not to in any way denigrate that, but I would urge teachers to, if they can, let go of some of that other anxiety about will they provide what's good enough for kids because I'm telling you, I'm the guy who sends out things like your kids are gonna to go to school this day and this day and people write back and or call back for, and they are so excited to reconnect. The kids and their parents are really excited to get back and connect with teachers. So let go of some of that anxiety about not being perfect because we really need to re-engage and you know, have that relationship uh, reestablished with our families and kids. No, that's awesome. And, and, and building that relationship is critical because, we, you know, something I've said a lot, actually, we talk a lot about the social distancing and we actually need the physical distancing. What we need is to stay socially connected. And I will leave on the piece that really sold me on, on moving forward with Gaggle is that not only do they have the digital indicators to hear, see and read some of the issues, they have live readers. And we are in such a human service business that we have to have that connection with people and, and we're there for, for our students. So as we move forward, I hope you had an opportunity to learn from these incredible leaders, look into some of these products that are proactive support for our students and our educators to ensure that the two things that I always say, make sure our schools are both socially and physically safe and make sure we're providing the best education possible for our students. And as you enter into your school year, I hope you all do that and continue to lead forward into this you know, uncertain time. So thank you all for joining. I'll leave you listeners with this as our close for today's It Takes a Village podcast. This past school year, we were able to help districts save 927 students who were planning or actually attempting suicide. So far this academic year, Gaggle has helped districts save the lives of 282 students. This number has more than doubled from this time last year. Please join us again for another episode of It Takes a Village, a Gaggle podcast, and visit us at gaggle.net and follow us on Twitter at gaggle underscore K12. Thank you for listening in.